Attention SLPs and OTs with existing private practices. Are you ready to level up your private practice and your life and make this your breakthrough year? If so, join us for Make More in 2024, a free training offered on Thursday, March 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern to discover how to shift from clinician to CEO. During the training, we'll talk about the importance of maximizing your income, adding revenue streams, setting up systems, and more so that you can ultimately work smarter and build a successful, sustainable, and sellable business. To sign up, just visit growyourprivatepractice.com backslash training. Don't miss the chance to learn how to effectively navigate the growth phase of the private practice journey. See you on the training. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Private Practice Success Stories podcast. I cannot wait to introduce you to Dr. Jamie Fisher, who is a private practitioner in Nashville, Tennessee. And she has a really unique story because not only does she have a private practice, but she also teaches courses and has a community service component of her private practice. She is a ball of energy and has so much to share. So stay tuned for an amazing episode with Dr. Jamie Fisher. My name is Jenna Castro-Casbon. I am part of a group of private practitioners who have taken client care into our own hands. We are skilled clinicians who pride ourselves on providing high quality care to our clients and their families. We are fighting against productivity requirements, administrative red tape, and unnecessary restrictions. We started our own private practices to take control of our professional and personal lives, of our schedules, of our incomes, of our future. We work hard for our clients, but on our terms. We believe in helping others, but also helping ourselves. We are not interested in competing with each other because we hope we'll all make it. We are successful private practitioners, and these are our stories. All right, so before we dive in, can you please share your name, your location, and the name of your private practice? All right. My name is Dr. Jamie Fisher. I am located in Nashville, Tennessee, and the name of my private practice is Nashville Speech and Swallowing Specialist, PLLC. I love it. Fantastic. So before we dive in and we figure out you know, exactly what your practice looks like now, can you take us back to the beginning of your career in speech pathology? Sure. I started my career in speech pathology, much like everybody did in school, undergrad to the master's program. I always knew that I was going to go back and do a PhD, but I did my CFY before I went and did my PhD at Vanderbilt University. And while I was at Vanderbilt University, and I talk about this quite a bit when I'll tell you a little bit more about my courses that I do, my trait bent course is one of those. I got into medical speech language pathology and doing treatment work while doing my PhD and kind of got thrown into that. I always said I would never do anything gross in speech language pathology, but ended up doing a bunch of gross stuff in speech language pathology while doing my PhD. So my career kind of split between doing education-based speech language pathology as well as medical-based speech language pathology. So my career kind of developed and expanded over the years. And once I finished my PhD and I decided I couldn't take another day of school, another day of anything, I moved on to the beach and did some travel speech language pathology Mm -hmm. after that, which was quite fun. Then after that, got some more skills, got some more training, 
again, got more skills in medical speech language pathology. And I never, ever, I can say never, ever thought that I would ever be here doing private practice. But I tell everybody this all the time. Never, ever, ever say what you will never, ever do because you don't know where you're going to end up and you don't know how sometimes your circumstances will push you right into your destiny. So be open to everything. And again, you just never know where you're going to end up. My story of how I ended up here, again, it wasn't something that I planned to do, but I'm so glad that it happened because I'm doing all the things that I want to do. There were several different things that I wanted to do in speech language pathology. I wanted to be able to teach. I wanted to be able to see clients. I wanted to be able to do work clinically. I wanted to be able to do education-based speech-language pathology. I wanted to do medical-based speech-language pathology. And I wanted to be able to do it when I wanted to do it with my own flexibility. And the more and more I researched and more and more I just got into the things I was doing, I was like, private practice is really the way to go in order to do all of the things that I want to do. So that's kind of how I got into this whole private practice world. (laughs) Something I I never planned to do. (laughs) Well, yeah, and it sounds like the first thing you said you planned not to do was anything gross in speech pathology, and then you started doing tricks. Absolutely. Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. When I was in my PhD program, I started off, again, child language literacy, multicultural issues, working with speech and language, very, very heavy, hard science-based speech language pathology. That's what I was going to do for the rest of my life. One of my girlfriends said, hey, we really need some help PRN-wise working on our trait bent unit. You think you can come help us out? And I was like, no, <laughs> I don't want to do any of that gross stuff in speech language pathology. And she was like, but aren't you a broke college student again? And I was like, yeah, you're right. I am. <laughs> but then you fell so in love with it. I did. I did. And I told her, I said, if you guys train me, do everything that needs to be done so that I'm extra competent and I'm extra skilled, train me up to independence. I said, I'll give it a try. I'll do what needs to be done. And I did. It was like doing a practicum all over again. And they trained me up really, really well. And like you said, I fell in love with what I was doing. Who knew that I would ever love that area of speech language pathology? Well, and you said something else, which is important that they trained me and I learned right? Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. We have such a capacity to learn things. That's one of the reasons why I teach people how to start private practices, right? People say, well, I don't have a business background or I don't know how to do any of that marketing stuff or look at Mm -hmm. my numbers, right? You can learn all of that stuff. Absolutely. And I'm so glad that you're out there helping people to do that because people like me, that's not my forte. That's absolutely not my forte at all. And, And Really, a daunting part of private practice was the whole business side. Clinically, I can do that. I can do the clinic stuff backwards and forwards. But the whole business, being an entrepreneur, again, that was something I never wanted to do and never planned on doing. But like you said, you can absolutely learn it. And I have been learning it, trial and error with something, coaching, teaching classes, all of that has been super helpful. And then a lot of self-study doing a lot of taking a lot of initiative on my own to learn the things that I really need to know and knowing where I'm strong in some areas and knowing where I'm weak in some areas too and where to get help. So all of that has been like super helpful in trying to become proficient in this private practice area. I love it. So tell us a little bit more about how you started your practice. Well, first, when I started my private practice, I talked to a couple of different people. I was like, did you take a business course? Did you take a class? What did you do before you initially got started? Because I'm a person of 
of course, I have a PhD. So I research and analyze things, sometimes overly. That was the first thing I did. I really sat down and said, what do I need to do to get started? I really wanted to outline everything. I really wanted to see it on paper. I really wanted some way to kind of plan and then from that plan be able to execute. So, and I didn't have a lot of money at all. Again, I work like everybody else, pay my bills like everybody else. It's not like there's just an abundance of class cash flow to just start these businesses and just kind of invest in yourself. But what I did do is I looked for a business course, community-based one that could really kind of help me out, that didn't cost a whole lot of money up front, that could really help me to figure out how I need to plan and then execute the business. And I found a wonderful business course here in Nashville, Tennessee. It's actually called Corner to Corner Biz Academy. And it was an 11-week course that really just Again, from point A, B to C, helped me to kind of plan, figure out what I needed to do to plan, execute, and start my business. Went over all the differences between different types of businesses. And it was great because we also got to meet with other types of business entrepreneurs. Everybody was doing a different kind of business, but at the same time, we were all in the phases of starting our business. I would tell anybody because that course was Great. Even though I, you would think it's just a little community-based, little class, it actually was a wonderful, phenomenal class that really helped me to, again, get started. So I would tell anybody, find a course, find a class if you've never taken one, something that can really help you get it down on paper. And once you can see your plan and maybe even your dream on paper, I'm telling you, you can execute it. You can start checking things off the list off that piece of paper. And SLPs love that, right? Love to make a plan and check stuff off the list and feel like they have enough information yes, to start to execute on it. So you took this class in Nashville yes, and you learned enough to get started. And so mm-hmm. how did you get your first clients? Oh, my first client. So my first client, believe it or not, word of mouth is a wonderful thing. And if you are a wonderful clinician, just period, People know about you. They find out about you very, very quickly. Word of mouth. In addition to word of mouth, having a great website, social media uh, appearance, all of that matters. It really, really does. My business is not only working clinically with clients, but I also offer CEU courses because, again, I'm a teacher. What I notice, even within myself getting more training and getting more education. I was like, if I need this, surely other people need it too. So I started developing courses for based out of genuine need. And again, one of those courses is the tracheostomy and ventilator course. But I say all that to say education is a part of that. So once we started those courses, again, word of mouth, social media presence, again, the website being key, being able to get access to information about your company. So that's how I was able to get several of my clients starting off. But definitely your reputation will perceive you <laughs> starting Absolutely. out. You said something really important, which is that, you know, that you're into a lot of different things, right? Yes, and you, you have your private practice, but you also teach courses. And mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things that's really special about this kind of work is that you can really choose your own schedule and do the kinds of things that you want to do. So whether it's teaching, whether it's just seeing clients, whether it's, you know, still working, you know, per diem if you want to someplace or, mm-hmm. you know, having a contract with a school or something that you can start to make those choices and craft 
a life for yourself that works and that you're really excited about. And you have a lot of energy. So you seem really excited about all of this stuff. (laughs) And I am. And again, this is why private practice is so great. Private practice allows you to do all of the things that you want to do. Now, within my private practice, I have four basic things that I do. Clinical services. I do fees, swallow diagnostics. I do continuing education and training courses. And I also do community service, which is a huge part of just who I am. And when working with other places, sometimes that's not a big focus for them, which is okay. But within your own private practice, you get to add in that little piece of it. So being able to do all the things that I want to do, again, whether it's education-based or medical-based, and some people will say to you, you know, you can't do everything. You absolutely cannot do all of these things. My rebuttal to that is you can do whatever you work hard enough at. Now, you can't half do a bunch of different things. Whatever it is that you decide to do, you do have to give it your all. So you do have to select some things, but make sure that you just work really hard at it. And you can do whatever it is that you want to do. Well, and especially like, you know, it sounds like you found some different areas of clinical practice that equally light you up. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. If you've got a fire that's lit, I'm telling you, you'll work hard at it. You absolutely will. Yeah. And that's something that I encourage people to do is just, you know, follow their clinical passions, right? And do what it is that, you know, that they do their best work. Because when people are seeking private practitioners, they want somebody who can do a really good job and can help them make more progress than they could at like a regular school or a regular clinic or something like that. They really want somebody who's going to help them out, not just a little bit, but a lot. Absolutely. You mentioned the four types of areas that your practice works on. What percentage of that are each of those four things? Really and truly, the percentage, it varies. It varies from year to year. It varies from time to time. As you know, we get clients on caseload, discharge, admissions, that kind of thing. It can fluctuate from year to year. I would say it's definitely, I try to keep the, for my working progress, I try to keep things clinically and education-based half and half. And really, I don't, (laughs) I probably should factor in community service stuff, but I, I fit that in where I can. But What's actually kind of bringing me in revenue for my private practice, again, half and half, clinic-based and Mm education-based. That's fantastic. Now, the online courses, where did you get the idea to to teach your own online courses? Right. So my courses right now are not online. Mm. All of my courses are live. I, there's something about a live course for me. And maybe it's because I'm not the best online learner, even though there will be some online courses coming in the future because... One of the other things I do is I'm a professor at uh, universities and I have taught online before and teaching online is wonderful and it's great. And I've been able to reach learners from locally here in Nashville all the way to Seattle, Washington. I have students and it's great and it's wonderful for those reasons. But there's something about a live course, an actual live training course where people come and get their hands on and get their hands dirty on stuff. <laughs> well, especially if you're so, doing tricks and vents. I remember taking a like a seminar on that in grad school, and we didn't really have anything to attach the knowledge to. I mean, we learned the stuff, but it didn't feel like super immersive, like I would imagine a class that you teach is. 
My class is definitely immersed. I've put you right in and I want your hands on the equipment. Matter of fact, you take some equipment home with you to continue to practice because I need you to know what you're doing when you leave my course. <laughs> and I need you to keep knowing what you're doing. So yeah, it's definitely the traits event. There are some things you have to be in person live for to in order to really get to gain the skill, not just the knowledge, but the actual skill. So, but there are some that's I'm definitely not opposed to online courses. Like I said, I teach online at, at universities as well as in person. So I'm for both. Right now, I don't have any online courses, but some may be coming. So keep your eyes open for that. <laughs> well, well, that also figures into something you said earlier, which is about thinking about just opportunities and seeking things out, right? And never, you know, closing doors and realizing that something that maybe you're like, yeah, I don't really know about that could turn into something amazing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Again, just because I'm not the best online learner doesn't mean there are people out there that are online learners. There are tons of people that actually learn really, really well online and can focus and can pay attention. And they are able, again, to get the knowledge, whether they are in Seattle, Washington, or whether they're somewhere locally, which is phenomenal that we have those avenues and that access. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, Something else I think that's really important about what you're saying is about the impact that you're able to have, right? Yes, ma'am. So, so as compared to a more traditional setting, with these four branches of your private practice, you're able to impact so many more lives, both in the educational part, the medical part, the teaching, the community service, and I left out one of the areas. No, that's it. You got it. I got it. Okay. <laughs> So, uh-huh. so to be able to influence that many lives of not only clients, but clinicians, mm-hmm. I think really says a lot about what you're able to do in the, in the online teaching for the universities too, right? You're able to not just, you know, work, you know, kind of a regular day and, and have a caseload of, you know, however many people in a day, right? But to be able to truly impact people across the U.S. and who mm-hmm. knows, maybe even internationally, but how many different types of people that you're able to help and leave an impact on and what they're gaining from you, again, I would imagine is far superior to what you were able to achieve in a regular job. And when I tell you that is, again, what really pushed me over into private practice, even though, it, again, it was something that I never wanted to do. <laughs> that is really what made me say, okay, this is what I want to do. And this is what I have to do in order to do all of those things that really, really get me going. I'm not going to be able to do this in a regular, as we say, regular job. Again, be able to reach all of these people in the same way that I would if I was in a regular job. And I wouldn't be able to do all the different things that I want to do. As you can probably tell from listening to me, monotony is not a great thing for me. It's not something that I like. (laughs) I don't like doing the same thing every single day. I like change. I like dynamics. I like things just, I don't like monotony. And again, private practice allows me to never have the same day twice. (laughs) Well, and it sounds like you're really designing a life for yourself, you know, with your practice and the different elements of it woven into that. But Mm it almost sounds like you're designing your life first and having all of these wonderful energetic outlets for you and then figuring out what else you want to be able to do. Before we actually started recording, you mentioned that you take several fitness classes a week. Right? I do, I do, I do. <laughs> right? So ladies and gentlemen, she has a ton of energy at baseline, and she's taking, I think, four fitness classes a week. 
it's really nice to be able to also have time for that, right? And making sure that you have time for all the other things that you want to be able to do. Exactly. I'm really big, especially within the past couple of years, about self-care, about being able to make time for yourself and to make time for your health and to just make sure that you, at the end of the day, that you're okay. And sometimes we can get to the point, especially as speech language pathologists, we carry so much home with us, or sometimes we don't even get home until late because we're still working. (laughs) So we're not even carrying it home. We're still at work. (laughs) We forget about self-care. We forget about things that we need to do, and we don't even allow ourselves the flexibility in order to be able to do the self-care things. Like, definitely take some workout classes and make sure health-wise that we're okay. (laughs) So yeah, within the past couple of years, that was a big part of it too. I was like, I need flexibility. I need to be able to, if I need to take a workout class at this time, I need to be able to do that. If I need to do something to take off from work at this time, I need to be able to do that. I need to be able to, again, do the things health-wise for myself because I have had some health issues within the past couple of years where I've had to change some things up. I just have absolutely had to do things differently. So yeah, that was actually a big part of it as well. Mm -hmm. I think that's important Mm -hmm. to just stop and and think every now and then, you know, is your life going the way that you want it to go? Absolutely. And and are you prioritizing the things that you say are priorities for you? Are you actually prioritizing those things? And if your balance is out of whack, Figure out how to rein yourself back in and make some different choices and put yourself at the forefront again versus being in the back. You brought up a really important point, which is, you know, as SLPs, we tend to be so giving that many of us give everything and give all we've got, right? And then Mm -hmm. we're super tired, burned out, maybe have health issues, and we need to kind of Right. Left on empty. Left on empty. I will tell you this little short story about even like with my health issues. So I am down people's throats every single day. I do fees and I am down people's throats every single day. And life had gotten so, so busy for me that I was FaceTiming with my mom and she looked at me and said, what's wrong with your throat? I said, what do you mean? What's wrong with your throat? And she said, go look in the mirror, look at your throat. And I had a big bulge in my neck that I didn't even notice. And when I went to go immediately see about it, of course, it was my thyroid. My thyroid was completely, completely enlarged, inflamed, all kinds of things going on there that we had to get adjusted, that we had to see about. And and like I said, found out about some health issues there that I did not even know about. And as someone who is down people's throats every day, <laughs> I hadn't even stopped to take the moment to even notice that about myself because I was going, 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 going. So I tell any and everybody, please take some time out for yourself. Do a little self-health check. Find out about yourself because you could be going, 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 going. And like you said, pouring so much into other people until you are really kind of skipping out on yourself. So Sometimes you got to take a step back, figure out what are some things that I can possibly be doing differently? What is going to allow me to, again, be in the best shape that I can be in? Because if I'm not in the best shape, I can't be of help to other people. I want to be of help to all these other people, but I can't do that if I'm not in the best shape. I definitely had to take a step back. And I will say private practice has allowed me a lot more flexibility to, again, 
do the things that I want to do, take the classes that I need to <laughs> take <laughs> to stay healthy, again, to allow me to do the things that I need to do flexibility-wise. <laughs> I love it. Well, so what are some other things that you're thinking about for the future? You've kind of told us how you got started and what things look like now. What are your plans? We're coming up on toward the end of 2019. We have a new decade in front of us. What are your plans for the next like year, couple of years? My plan is I have been trained in pediatric fees. Mm-hmm. So my plan is definitely to continue forth with that pediatric fees, as well as do some training courses for uh, adult fees and pediatric fees. Again, when I decide to do a course, I always look for genuine need. What is the actual genuine need out there? So one of the things that I do is I look around, I see what else is available, I see what else is out there, and then based upon that, start working my plans for what I'm going to come up with next. So for example, with the fees courses, There are tons of fees courses out there. They're great. They're wonderful. I've been to a lot of them. But in my thinking, and this is how I want people to think about private practice, again, what is the need? What's the genuine need out there? One of the things that I saw with a lot of the fees courses is they're typically 20 to 30 people, right, in the course, which is great. 20 to 30 people get in. They get in. They get their passes. They get to learn how to do the endoscopy, learn how to scope, which is great. One of the things that I noticed when I was helping to teach those courses is some of those people get lost. Some of those people are going around from different station to different station and they're a little hesitant. Maybe they're not jumping in as much as the next person who's really, really gung-ho to do it. Maybe they're a little scared. Maybe they've got some questions, but they are scared that they don't want to ask the stupid question when really they just kind of need to ask their question so they can find out the answer. Some of that I noticed. So one of the things that I'm planning, and again, think about this as a person doing private practice, what is the need? Planning a course for smaller groups, maybe not 20 to 30 people, maybe actually two to three people where we can really hone in and do a focused, intensive course for people that may fare better in a smaller group. Maybe they won't flounder in a group of two to three people because it'll just be them. It'll be more like a private course. So in, again, thinking about private practice, My plan is to fulfill that need and do some smaller courses, offer some smaller courses where we can really help speech language pathologists, again, that might do better with the smaller class size. So that's one of the things. Definitely with my client and with the clinical side of things, continuing to offer services there, but again, continuing to fulfill that need. And again, with the pediatric e-services, that's the current need that I'm hoping to fulfill. So my plans basically, again, are just to figure out what is the need. And then based upon that, start expanding my private practice. I love it. And that sounds like something that you probably first started thinking about a long time ago, but maybe also in that business course, that local business course that you took, right? Absolutely. That's a lot about what people teach is like, you know, how to fill a void in the marketplace, right? If there are people who need in not just the marketplace, but in clinical service and what, you know, what people need is a little bit more our area, but no matter what, if people don't need what you have, then it doesn't work. Right. So whether you're talking about clinical practice or whether you're talking about selling courses, you have to make sure that people want what you have. Mm -hmm. That is so, so true. And being able to really sit down and think about what is the need versus, Oh, I have this great idea. I'm just going to put it out there. 
one thing that someone this I'll never forget. He's like a multimillionaire of real estate broker. He came to our business class and spoke to us. And that's another great thing about business classes. Most of the time they have nice, wonderful guest speakers to come in. People who have made a ton of money that can impart knowledge to you. And if you're anything like me, you're going to soak it all up. (laughs) But one of the things this millionaire real estate broker said to us in the class was, you know, don't be so quick to hold on to a bad idea. It might be a great, wonderful idea to you, but in all actuality, it could really be a bad idea. Again, ask yourself, what need is this fulfilling? How does this help someone? And how can you, in the end, make money from it? Because in the end, we can't be broke. We love what we do as speech language pathologists, but we are in this to be able to support ourselves and make money. So if there is something that doesn't, again, fulfill that need, if it isn't helping someone, if it's a bad idea, and sometimes you got to take a step back from your what you may think be a great idea and see that it could just really be a bad idea and let it go. (laughs) That was one of the things we definitely talk about in that business class, because sometimes people will hold on to a bad idea and it's to the detriment of not only them, but to their business as a whole. So definitely think about that, too, as you're thinking about private practice. That was some really good advice. It was tough advice for some people, but it was great advice. Well, I think that's one of the things is, you know, once we have something we're really interested in, we tend to think that lots of people are going to be interested in. I think you can see that on those shows like Shark Tank and some of those other things. People come Mm -hmm. up with this idea that they're clearly really invested in both in their heart and oftentimes Mm -hmm. in time and money. And so letting go of something or just tabling it, you know what, this, I still really love this project, whatever it is. But if I decide to pursue that, am I then like closing the doors to other opportunities? Because we only have so many hours in the day and we can only divide our attention so much that as soon as you get new ideas coming to the forefront, it's taking away from other things. There's a quote that I love, which is every yes is a no to something else, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? So making sure that you're figuring out what it is that you want to be doing and that you're meant to be doing. And just as you said, that you can make a living from. Exactly. Exactly. Before we wrap up, is there any other like advice or lessons that you've learned along the way that you'd like to impart with the listeners? I would definitely tell people going into private practice. And I think I said this a little bit earlier, but recognize your own strengths, recognize your own weaknesses and put together a good team. Have a good team of people that can definitely help you in your areas of weakness. Like I said, I'm a very good manager. I can manage just about anything. I am not good at the money side of business. So I have a wonderful bookkeeper who helps me with all of that. When my business was definitely small sole proprietor stuff, I could manage the book decently. But of course, as your business grows, that's an area of weakness where I just could not manage that all on my own. I had to get a bookkeeper. I had to get someone that could help me with that whole entire side of that. There was at one point in time where I was doing my own taxes. Mm -mm -mm. Not as your business grows. No, no. I have a wonderful CPA along with my bookkeeper and we all work together to help keep my business on point and I could not do anything without them. They are a wonderful, they are my wonderful team is who I call them. Yeah. That's really important too is to, you said something, but you know, knowing your strengths and your weaknesses, right? 
what you're spending time, let's say, on doing things that you're not good at is going to cost you in the long run. You might as well hire someone who's going to do the job and do it well and do it quickly and efficiently and right. (laughs) The first time and do it right the first time. (laughs) And on top of that, a wonderful attorney. Again, as your business grows and the contracts are coming in and there are different things that just need to be looked at and legal things need to happen, you got to have an attorney. And again, I know a lot of people try to do a lot of this on their own, which is great if you can, if you can manage it. And if that is an area of strength and you have the actual background, because I know a lot of people are doing this, but don't necessarily have the background. I'm telling you, you're going to miss something if you don't have the background. These people have been not only trained, but educated. Like this is what they went to college for. Just like we went to school for speech language pathology, they went to school for this. You don't want to miss something because again, missing something in the process, missing one of those steps can cost you in the long run. It really can. Get these people on your team. (laughs) For sure. And one of the mentors in Grow Your Private Practices names Ben Tadis. He talks about having a triple A team which is an accountant, an attorney, and an advisor. And Mm -hmm. having that AAA team is what will really help you, especially when you're at the growth level. When you're a beginner, you might not have those things for a year or so, but as soon as you can, it's really important because those people are worth their weight in gold. And they often pay for themselves in terms of knowing how to be organized and like, you know, things like your sleep, which we talked about self-care earlier and how important that is. Yes. Yes. And I'm telling you, I sleep so much better knowing that my bookkeeper has went over all of this stuff and not only has went over everything and is keeping track of it, explains it to me in a way that I am able to understand it to a T, explains all of the reports out to me so that I can understand exactly what is going on. I can't tell you the weight that's lifted off my shoulders because of all of that, knowing that things are, again, done and they're done right and they're done right the first time. And what they do for you is exactly what you do for other people who are your clients or the students in your courses or the students in your online course or the people who you do community service with. It's fun that, you know, just as other people are giving to you, you are giving very deeply to others as a result of your private practice. And I think that's really very noteworthy. Right. And if I could just share about the community service piece just a little bit. So one of the things that, again, that I absolutely love doing is going around to different high schools, different places and spreading awareness about speech language pathology and what it is that we do. A lot of people see us as speech language pathologists. And one of the only things they think that we do is, of course, working with children, helping them to say their sound. It's really, really cool that being able to go into these places and tell them that that is what we do totally and for sure, helping children. But some of the other things that we do, we work with traits and bents. We work with fees and swallowing and video fluoroscopy, modified barium swallow studies. We work with some of your grandparents that have Alzheimer's and dementia. We work with Parkinson, traumatic brain injuries. And a lot of these kids have no clue that these are even career options for them. So it's really, really great that we get to go out and do this spreading of awareness. We raise money for scholarships funds for these high school students. Even within the private practice beyond high school, we work with SLP graduate students. We have lots of interns that volunteer with our program. 
And we also offer scholarships for the uh, treatment program, treatment course for SLP students. So we're able to do some community service there and again, offer continued mentorship. And then we offer continued mentorship for speech language pathologists after they leave the courses. We don't just give you a course and just kind of leave you. We continue to mentor you on. And so we are able to offer that community service as well. It's just been great to, again, be able to continue the mentoring part within the private practice. That's fantastic. I mean, you are giving so much to so many people with enthusiasm and with love and with extensive training. So I am so happy that you, you know, agreed to be a guest on the podcast. You gave the listeners a lot to think about in terms of what they can do in designing a practice that works for them and that you don't have to just do one thing. You can do all of the things. Mm-hmm. Just work hard at it. Just work really, really hard at all of the things that you want to do. And what I will say in response to that is I love working with people and I love giving back and I love doing a lot of things. And one of the main reasons I do that is because that was what was done for me. So I just give back exactly what was given to me. And I have no problem doing it because I wouldn't be where I am if somebody hadn't given it to me. So thank you to all of my mentors. (laughs) I love it. Oh, that warms my heart so much just thinking about that, right? You know, karma or what goes around comes around. What you plant will grow. I just think that's a wonderful way to end too, is to think about what others have done for you. Give back to them, but, you know, also make sure to put yourself in the picture and make sure that you care of your own self and your finances and your physical health and all of those kind of other things. And it sounds like you're doing Mm -hmm. a really nice job with that. So thank you so much, Dr. Fisher, for being on the show. Uh Well, thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. And where can our listeners find out more about you? So my website is www.nashvillespeechandand swallowing.com. So Nashville speech and swallowing.com and all information regarding myself, uh, regarding clinical services, fee services, of uh, the CEU courses, training courses, as well as the community service is all on the website and different events that we have as well. We have different events from time to time. All of that's on the website. You can find out information there. Fabulous. Go check her out right now, everybody. And we will be in touch because I can't wait to see what happens next in your life. Yes, ma'am. We're also on Facebook, too. Remember, I said that social media presence. We're on Facebook. So find Nashville Speech and Swallowing Specialists and like us and follow us and you can keep up. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much, Jamie. Thank you so much again, Jenna. This was fun. All right. Take care. So how much did you love that episode? I told you that Dr. Fisher was a ball of energy. She is truly the embodiment of someone who knows what she likes, and she likes a lot of different things. She's what I would call a multi-passionate person, and she goes after those things, right? And she is living life to the fullest, and I think that we can all take a lesson in that. So if you want to learn how to live life as the fullest, to the fullest, as a private practitioner, but you haven't gotten started yet, make sure that you check out the free webinar, which is at startyourprivatepractice.com backslash webinar. And that will go through how to start a private practice. Now that you've listened to the episode, I want to invite you to a free training. Do you have a business background? Most SLPs who go into private practice don't. You went to grad school, not business school. But here you are trying to start or grow a private practice. The good news is business skills can be learned 
and I want to help you make solid decisions on how to start and grow your private practice so you can serve your community and build a legacy while doing therapy on your own terms and your own time, and yes, make more money. I want to invite you to my free training specifically to help SLPs get the background information you need to know in order to be successful. There are two tracks, the start track and the grow track, because the needs of beginners and growth level private practitioners are very different. The trainings are short but thorough and can be consumed and put into action quickly. I want to teach you how to think, act, and behave like the private practitioner you are meant to be so that you can step into the vision you have for your private practice and your life. And the best part, these trainings are completely free. To register right now, simply visit independentclinician.com, click start or grow, and we can get started right now. Well, this episode might be over, but we don't have to say goodbye. Head on over to independentclinician.com for resources that will help you at each stage of your private practice journey. If you're on Instagram, let's connect. Follow me and send me a DM. I'm at independent clinician. And if you're on Facebook, make sure that you join the SLP and OT Private Practice Beginners Facebook group. All right, off to help more regular SLPs and OTs become successful private practitioners. Let me know if I can help you too.